Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the House Divided Podcast. Uh, This week, we did something a little bit different. We decided uh, to try and get a real football expert on the show. So we got uh, Nick Baumgartner of The Athletic. He uh, gave some great insight on Michigan and Michigan State's upcoming season, and then we uh, asked him a few questions about his time at The Athletic and uh, his thoughts on some things in the sports world. So hope you guys enjoy it, and uh, tune in later this week for the defense previews and other football stuff. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a uh, a new step for the House Divided podcast. We're bringing on real sports writers now. We have a guest on. Um, we have Nick Baumgartner on. Nick, how are you? Good, guys. How are you? Real sports writer. That's a great compliment. I've been called a lot worse <laughs> than that. I can tell you that right now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No. Can we work on it? I like it. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for those that don't know, Nick writes for The Athletic um it, where he does excellent work on the Detroit Lions uh Michigan football Michigan State football and you can listen to him on one of these years where he'll talk to you about the Lions and the beat where him and Brendan Quinn will talk to you about uh Michigan and Michigan State and everything in between um, <laughs> yeah and if you're listening to this and you don't already listen to those, I don't know what you're doing. Um, so, uh, Nick, I'm glad you're doing well. Uh, Jeremy, Jeremy, do we want to start with Michigan State today? Get right into the football? Do we ever. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. all right, Nick. Well, first of all, good to have you back on the yeah, MFTB. And I guess on it, finally. Around it. Know. Yeah, right. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Fill that Joe Retro hole for us. But, uh, <laughs> So one thing that I've always loved about your coverage is your in-depth coverage on the offensive line, which mm-hmm. is a big talking point for MSU. Yes. Um, you know, so looking at kind of when you're looking at the season early on, what are some signs that fans can look at that there's actual growth in the offensive line? We know we hear about guys back in their natural position and right. obviously about the, you know, Colton gets us all excited about the body types of who's coming <laughs> right, in the future. Right, yeah. <laughs> but who, for who we have now, how do we see like that growth? Like what's a sign for us to look for? That's a great question. And I think it's, it starts with Michigan state's ability to sort of number one, get the five best guys healthy and on the field. Like that has to be number one. So you're talking, you know, everybody knows the five at this one, I guess it could be Allen or same act or whatever. They're going to battle that out, but like get those guys out there and let them kind of go for a minute. That's number one. But number two, I think what you're sort of looking for that we never really saw consistently last year was, you know, they don't need to like blow people off the ball at the point of attack. They don't need to like destroy people. But if you're getting like some stable movement and not getting knocked back, then I think they have enough, you know, with kind of the new backs they brought in, the new pieces they brought in. I think they have enough to like in their backfield to make the line look good, if that makes sense. Like they don't have to be dominant, but we can't see any of the obvious misassignment stuff. We can't see any of the knockback that we, you know, we've seen in recent years. So a lot of it will be, you know, you know, is a guy like Duplain at a point, and I think he could be, where, you know, now it's time to see, okay, his body's where you want it to be. 
you know, get your hips low, get under people and start moving people. You know what I mean? So you don't have to use a double there. We can just move him out and not to worry about it. Like those are the things that I would look for, you know, in his horse physically, you know, I think he will be, but like, is he physically going to be able to keep, you know, do what he did at a lower level in the big 10, you know, things like that. If, if those things kind of play out the way they want it to, you know, then I think you have a chance to do all the things that, you know, they hope to accomplish in, in year two, which would be, you know, possibly ahead of schedule. I, I think the whole thing, like it hinges on the offensive line for them. I really do. For sure. For sure. So for us too, Mel Tucker, I think has had pretty much the classic win the off season uh, yeah. summer, you know, official visits opening up, um, stealing some recruiting assistance from Wisconsin, all kind of based around recruiting mostly. Uh, right. Even, even some wins in the portal, like, I guess with Horston uh, Walker, but so help us cool our jets a little bit. <laughs> on the uh on the enthusiasm is msu you kind of mentioned right there like ahead of schedule where you know as you gauge it where should they kind of be like where should our pocket be where are we thinking we should be at right now yeah it's really an interesting question because i think it's like a really high variant you know like a high range of what it could be um you know because if you're if they if they can land on a quarterback who takes care of the ball and the offensive line can take a step then i do think that if you flip it to the other side they have guys on defense. I mean, they have, you know, people don't realize that. I don't think, I don't think people understand um, some of the depth Michigan state has inside defensively up front. Um, that is just not, you don't see that. A lot. And that's what we've seen that in the, in the D'Antonio years, this actually sort of reminds me a little bit, even with a guy like, you know, a younger guy like Simeon Barrow, who's just getting started, but you can see it in a guy like that. And they have a lot of guys up front who I think can do a lot of damage in this league and help, you know, Tucker, and Hazleton kind of play the way they want it. And I think it's enough to kind of keep you in games, but if the offensive line can kind of, it sort of depends, right? If they're ready, then maybe you're looking at a team that can surprise people and win like seven or eight or something like that. And who knows, right? I mean, the big Ten's not loaded. I mean, let's not pretend that <laughs> that's the case at all. So, but if they're not and the quarterback turns the ball over a bunch, you know, it's going to be something similar to what we've seen in recent years where the defense keeps you in it and you don't have enough and it's frustrating and God knows, right? I mean, like that, <laughs> that's, very real and, and very possible but you know for them to kind of take the next step where they want to go the front has to really fortify and, and, and really get better because that's when everything clicks that's when you can recruit better everything kind of you know stacks on top of that so that's interesting you so you kind of brought up a question for me because i actually got in a good debate today about so are we kind of feeling because i thought the defense last year was a lot bigger struggle than i expected but mm -hmm. obviously covid year zoom yeah. zoom means is it a lot of like wiping it out because of that or more like they've just replenished the skill set you think enough to kind of wipe away yeah. last year i think everything was so new last year mm -hmm. that it's like really hard to sort of nail them on anything i mean they were in such a weird place like when the season started for michigan state like that Rutgers game like i mean they looked beyond hapless right i mean like you want everything they did was like wow this is like so far away from where it needs to be but then the next week they look like a you know a formidable team they beat michigan and you know it's like one of these weird things and that's what they did the whole year they just went up and down and up and down and up and down and it was like you know they're not really settling on anything but it was also everyone's learning what they are and everyone's learning what they're trying to do but also i think Mel tucker's learning like who who's on the team you know they had no spring practice they had nothing. I mean, you, you just didn't know sort of who you could count on and who you couldn't. And I think that, you know, when the year started, you know, did they know 
you know, how good a guy like Jalen Hunt was or Mallory, right? Inside, maybe, but maybe not all the way, maybe not, you know, fully. And I think that they were like learning about what they had, you know, in those first three or four weeks, just as we were, you know, kind of watching it. It was crazy. So in that sense, I look at it and say, when I watched them on tape, like up front against good teams, they were giving teams problems. I mean, they were at least in there. They didn't have enough speed in the middle, which we've talked about. I mean, they added some of that this offseason. They added more at corner this offseason. They added strength in the transfer portal to all these areas that are obvious weak spots. But they have dudes up front that can kind of change a game for you. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that the ceiling kind of goes up and down. But I, I wouldn't bank too much on what happened last year. I would this year, though. This is different. Not, the clock kind of ticks now. And now it's time to see kind of where they're at. For sure. And then so last one I had kind of prepped up here was, so I think heading into last season, the least exciting coach was probably Jay Johnson out of all the hires <laughs> as a fan right. perspective, right? Like, yeah, I think, I think you could dive deep and see a lot of good in like his time at Minnesota yep. or other stops. But from a fan perspective, it seemed kind of boring, but he also had the luxury last year of like Rocky Lombardi and a lot of things he could lean on. Like Elijah Collins had his COVID battle as we learned. So as we look forward to this year, how uh, how hard should the fans be judging where the Jay Johnson experience is at? I mean, I know a lot of him is obviously on quarterback right. play, like, I, yeah. like any OC, but. That's really what it is. I think it's, you know, whatever lane they pick, um, you know, if it's Russo or Thorne or whatever, like whatever lane they pick, what's your, you know, what's your plan relative to what that guy's strength is and what his weakness is. If, if he's not, like if, if you've got, you know, we've talked about, you know, you see Russo and the numbers that he's put up and he's turned the ball over a bunch, but in, there are instances, if you go watch his tape where, you know, he's being put in spots where he's asked to do a ton. Like if you're not asking him to do as much, he won't turn the ball over as much. Like those are things I think I would look for this year and year two. And, you know, does everything make sense? Like, that's the thing they sold, you know, the, the, the reason Mel Tucker was sold on uh, Jay Johnson and, and Chris Keplovich was because they both sort of see the game very logically and sort of like Mel does. I mean, they both, it's okay. If that's not there, check this simple, right? Don't do anything crazy. Don't do anything stupid. If they're giving you this, take it right. That's, that's how I think he calls the game, but he really does need guys to take care of the ball for any of that to work. So it's going to be about keeping them out of those bad spots. I think that's what you got to look for is, you know, are they doing enough as a staff to keep whatever quarterback they pick, you know, in reasonable situations where he's not sort of like setting himself up to fail. Yeah, that, that's really great insight on Michigan State. I tell you, I like when you talked about the wide range of options because that is a uh, yeah. theme in the state of Michigan. This yeah, year. Because right. <laughs> uh, every time I feel like somebody asks me in the office, what's Michigan's record going to be this year? I'm like, I don't know. I can <laughs> like five and seven or nine and three. Yeah, right. It feels like a Depends on the day. Yeah, right. Depends like, on the day. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I also liked how you guys touched on Michigan State's last year, and I kind of want to do that with Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, they are obviously looking for a rebound year, and I think a lot of optimism within the fan base, not that there is a ton of it, uh, yeah, yeah. comes from a thought that 2020 was literally outside of eking out that win against Rutgers, the worst-case scenario, right. between opt-outs and just the timing of everything. It felt like, uh, how accurate do you think that is? Or do you think it was more of a, a real, you know? Yeah, I think it was actually both. I think it, it both things actually kind of happened there and that, you know, you can't discount 
um, sort of the worst, like you said, the worst case scenario. I mean, it was everything that could have gone wrong that would have spelled disaster happened. It went wrong. I mean, like it was just one thing after another, after another. I mean, whether it be injuries, COVID, you know, guys just getting frustrated and, you know, losing patience because, you know, God knows where we were as like a people back in, you know, back then. So, I mean, it was uh, that I think you can't overlook it, but at the same time, like Michigan had issues, um, you know, heading into that season, whether like, like if we could just say, you know, we always do this. Obviously it's harder and harder to do it nowadays, but like if COVID didn't happen and 2020 was a regular year, there would have been issues there, you know? And I, I think that, as 2019 wore on, people started to kind of get, you know, open their eyes a little bit to some of that stuff, you know, like some of the issues had been repeating themselves. Some of the things that we'd seen, you know, defensively that had been haunting them just kept happening over and over again. And these things all sort of like rusted out and all perfect stormed it, you know, but so I look at it and say, yeah, it was like worst case scenario of all the things they couldn't control really did kind of screw them. But there were a lot of things they could have controlled where they ended up putting themselves in an even worse situation to where it, it went from worst case scenario to, Oh my God, like what is that? You know, like, what is this? And so it, it's, it still is to me a fair amount of, you know, Jim Harbaugh cleaning up his own mess. And I think that that's the situation. I think most people see it that way. Right. So yeah, I think that's, that's kind of where it's at. Yeah, I think so too. I was going to wait to ask this till later, but since it came up yeah. with him cleaning up his own mess, um, <laughs> do you kind of have to go into this year looking at it as a rebuild? Like if they go eight and four and lose by three touchdowns to Ohio state, like where it's not as bad as it has been, but it still ain't good. Right. uh, Do you have any vibe of what that situation feels like in the athletic department there? Yeah. I think it would, it would all depend on everything that sort of led into that. You know, I mean, it it would have to be the grand picture. If they go eight eight and four and it's like, and the, and the four losses are, are all familiar, like you said, and, and they're not competitive, let's say, right, mm-hmm. in that game. Uh, and three touchdowns isn't competitive. So if it's the same, yeah, it's right. not, then it's not competitive, right? So, um, that, yeah, I think they have to be competitive in that game. They certainly can't lose to Michigan State, right? Like, you've got to be better against Wisconsin and Penn State and these type of teams, and you've got to show growth in the obvious areas where they failed last year, which was more or less – just being on the same page and like willing and being willing to kind of like ride it out together. That's really what, that's why it looked as bad as it did. And that's what the, the sort of like shocking, like, Whoa, thing for people was, was, you know, that Wisconsin game is what everybody points to, right. It looked, looked like a team yeah. that didn't want to be out there. And it's like, yeah. you're just not used to seeing that from Michigan. You're not used to seeing that from really any big 10 team, to be honest. So whenever you see it, especially for a team like that, you know, it's what's happening here. And, that's where they were at and you know they had to fix it so that's what they're trying to do right now yep all right well i I got one question about the offense and one about Mm -hmm. the defense so for the offense i couldn't really pinpoint an exact position i wanted to ask about because obviously it's quarterback yeah we all know it's quarterback yep yep if this offense is good like top 20 sp plus type like a like a good decent offense what does it look like because i'm all the stuff oh, coming out of practice yeah. is about the run game which leads to various worries about the passing game uh just because practice reports are what they are <laughs> yeah right um, so yeah, what are your thoughts on if this offense looks good why is it like that well i think it, it looks good for a couple of th- if the offensive line is as good on the ground as they think it can be and Cade McNamara is as accurate 
as they hope he can be. And I'm talking like high 60%, you know, like you got to hit him, you know, because this offense is going to be based around, can you establish a reasonable run threat to a point where you can create mismatches for guys in space and get your quarterback layups, you know, give them gimmies and, you know, take numbers here. You know, if you can create something when you get all these guys with speed on the field, as we know, you know, Corum, Henning, all these guys that they can mix and match combinations with, all the stuff works to scheme guys open. Your quarterback has to hit it, and the line has to do its job. I really do think that for Michigan, it really boils down to that. And I think, actually, you know, we just talked about Michigan State's offensive line being so important for the growth there. Uh, for Michigan, like, it's the key to survival, I think, for Harbaugh. Like, their offense has enough juice you know, at the skill spots to put up points against just about anybody in the league, really, if we want to, you know, just be honest there. I mean, Ohio State's on its own <laughs> island, of course, as this just mm-hmm. like Death Star. But, um, yeah, they've got enough to put up points if they can protect and he can hit shots because I think that the offense makes a lot of sense when you have everybody in the right place kind of moving in the right direction. And we saw some of that just a little bit at the end of 2019, nothing at all last year. You know, they hope they're more cohesive now. And, you know, if guys are in a better place up front, then I think they have a chance. Yep. All right. That's awesome. Um, one question about the defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, not easy, though. So yeah. neither of us are like football guys. Like we like watching football, sure. but uh, other sports are more expertise. Uh, right. And so Michigan's going, uh, obviously going from a 4-3 to a 3-4 this year. I was wondering if – is there a player or position group that this change is going to be a big stressor for them or yeah. we should look for because they're going to have more responsibility? And on the other side, is there a player or position group who you see their jobs just getting easier and look at them to count up some stats? I think that the the guys like Aiden Hutchinson, the edge players, you know, because they're going to have that, it's going to be kind of the odd, more odd front, I would say, with kind of that edge piece, whereas Hutchinson will be more of a stand-up, kind of like, a, like, like what we see in the NFL a lot with guys who can kind of be a hybrid both ways. Those guys, I think, I wouldn't say their job gets easier, but they're set up now, I think, to make a lot of plays. Like those guys, I think, in that position, like it'll be Aiden, of course, this year. Um, but that'll be a big like playmaker place, I think, on defense. That they would probably even try to sell in recruiting uh, how that will work. So that would be number one. But the second part of that that I would look at and say, and this is the big question with Michigan, is your interior tackle. You know, if you're if you're an odd front and you're relying on a nose, and even if you're not asking him to two-gap and take on you know, a center and a guard or whatever at the same time. There's ways you can sort of help a guy. When you look at, you know, Donovan Jeter, Mozzie Smith, uh, Chris Hinton, it has not happened. And we're just like, it hasn't happened for any of those guys. And it's part of the reason why Michigan's in the struggle spot. It's in, they brought the kid in from Oregon State. Maybe he helps. Donovan Jeter, you know, God love him. He talked about it, I think, a couple weeks ago. He said, people have been telling me I'm supposed to be good for years. I haven't done it. Like, (laughs) those guys, I think they get it. But it's like, we do have to see it. And, you know, there's talent in there but like somebody's got to click it over because their job does get harder because if you can't handle your business in that gap inside all the stuff they do with blitzing and all the stuff they do with moving people none of it matters right it all goes away so all the creativity they want to put into the defense and kind of take ownership of means nothing if you can't handle what you need to handle up front and that's been the biggest thing that has sort of eluded them which is why everybody sort of scratches their head because with michigan just like Michigan State, we're used to seeing that being, if nothing else, you know, that's pretty good. And it just hasn't been there the last couple of years. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you have it, folks. There's Michigan and Michigan State football. 
Um, I do before we let Nick go uh, and thank him. Thank you again for uh, giving us your time during your busy, busy pre pre regular season yeah. schedule. It's almost here. Yep, it is almost here. Um, I just have a couple questions that sure. are just for you. Um, who is the best athlete that you have covered while they were in college? Oh, uh, oh, Denard Robinson, probably. I would say. I mean, I would say Denard, like athlete-wise, they're probably better. Like, uh, you know, in terms of like, like full aggregate, you could even make the argument like somebody like Peppers is probably a better athlete than a guy like Denard. But Denard Robinson was like the most unique guy I've ever, you know, like person, number one. I mean, he's to know Denard or be around him. He's a super quiet guy, but he's also like, he pays a lot of attention to things and picks up on things that you probably didn't really realize if you're just kind of around his orbit, but like the stuff he could do in a tight window, I mean, was just ridiculous. I mean, nobody ever figured out how to make it work in the NFL because he was so small and he couldn't add weight and hold weight. But like, his ability as a like just athlete as a player was just they he got him out of so many jams. I mean, like people talk talk about Denard's years as like there were so many struggle years, but I always look at it and say, like, for Michigan, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a and I think a lot of people would say the same thing, right? They I'm not breaking any news there, but Denard's probably the guy I always point to. Denard or maybe Trey Burke is the other one at Michigan uh, when I was on the beat that was, you know, a special kind of unique athlete that just, you know, nobody else like him. Yeah, that's great. And I, I don't mean to offend you or turn you off oh, no. coming back here, but like I was 13, 14 ish during <laughs> yeah. the Denard and yeah. 15, the Trey Burke right, yeah. year. And so that was, that was a years. lot of my yeah. formative years as a sports fan. So I expected yeah. you to say Jabril, to be honest, but uh, Jabril is probably the best like athlete. For yeah, sure. no. Yeah, Denard but, was like so unique and Trey Burke is not the best athlete. No, that, yeah. You know, like that, that basketball team has had either. But those are the guys I always think of because <laughs> yeah. they got it done for sure. For sure. Um, all right. So uh, for those of you who don't read The Athletic, shame on you. But yeah, uh, the, pla- the platform gives you guys a chance to really get creative. Um, you've written stories where you're sitting down with football coaches and players. Yeah. Like you've done podcasts where you sit down with players and look at an old game. Um, are there any cool or different stories that you had lined up and just fell through that we never got to find out about? And, and with yeah. that, Nick, yeah. also explain how the Travis Jackson episode did not get you banned off Apple Podcasts. Because oh, the Cody Keeler, Cody Keeler, Cody Keeler, shout out to my guy, Cody Keeler is the man. I don't know how that did get us banned off Apple Podcasts. Shout out to that episode if you haven't listened to it, go check it out. So the, the first ones I think we did on the. On the athletic. No, one, one, you guys asked me before we started recording, the one that I think about, um, and it wasn't all the way set up, but I ended up kind of running it anyway. COVID screwed it up. I was going to go um, to San Diego and hang out with Brady Hope and uh, spend some time with him. Uh, that was my plan. I mean, if he would have had me, I think we talked about it, of course, right? And he would have had me or whatever, but I was going to go and like hang out with him for as long as he would have let me hang out with him, like a week or whatever, um, because that idea started randomly and I ended up writing about Brady uh, during COVID actually the story ran um, after he got the job at, at San Diego state. But my idea originally was like, cause he was the defensive line coach out there um, for Rocky long. And I remember like watching TV one of those days, like in 2019, like one of the Saturdays I was just sitting there waiting for a game to come on or I was at a game or whatever. And I looked up and I saw, you know, Brady standing there with the headset on. And I'm like, Oh my God, I totally forgot he was still there. And I was like, I should go out there and just, 
and I was going to do it. And then COVID, you know, happened and, and wrecked it. But that would have been fun uh, to reunite with Brady. Uh, I was looking at it as like, I, my first year on the Michigan beat was his first year as the, as the coach. So like I was learning on a rapid fire on my job, just as he probably was too, in a much different situation, but um, a really nice guy. Of course, we all know how it ended for Brady, but that was one that I thought would have been unique because he's a really unique guy. He's just a very different person uh, that you don't see often in college football. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been awesome. Yeah. That, that, That'd have been fun. A really cool idea. Um, maybe I'll go back to it one day. If, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. He's not going anywhere. He, no. uh, he bet a guy in the uh, press conference. Somebody said, are you going to leave this time? And he said, no, you want to shake on it? And they shook, uh, they shook hands oh at the, <laughs> at the press Brady so. Oak thing. The Brady Oak thing. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So last question, I'm hoping yeah. to make this a tradition because I like okay. this question for sports writers. If you could pick to cover one beat in sports history, it can be any sport, Ooh any team, but you only get to do it for one year or one season. Any well, sport, any team, one season. Um, you know, I would say probably like, and I would hate to say it, but like maybe not the Cowboys would be the wrong answer, but a team like the Cowboys when they're like loaded, you know what I mean? Like yeah. when I was a kid, in the, ni- the mean, 90s yeah. Cowboys, when they were just, like, yeah. stacked. Like, a team that was, like, all in for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't care what the team is. One pro team, like the Bucks last year, would have been interesting for me. Because, like, that was a team that just went all the way in. And they were like, if this doesn't work, it's a colossal disaster. So, every- you know what I mean? And it did. They won the damn Super Bowl. Yeah. So, like, so, like yeah. those types of teams are the ones I think about that are a lot of fun. Like, I actually have fun covering the Lions rebuild. Like rebuilds can be kind of fun if you look at it from a, from a unique angle, but it would be fun to cover a team because it's the best time when you're covering a winner. It would be like, you know, the guys who got to cover like the Warriors when they went all the way into the NBA, right? Like a team like that, yeah. whatever it is, somebody that just said, okay, chips all the way and we're going for it. Like to be on a ride with a team like that when they know they're good is, is where it's at. Like I, people ask me the question, what's the, what's the most enjoyable year you had covering Michigan on all those beat years. And it was this 2016 season. Cause that was the best, that was the best team. They had like 25 NFL players. They knew they were good. They didn't screw around. Yeah. And it was really, it was a fun cover. So those are the teams I always think about. Yeah. Awesome. Can you imagine, a- imagine covering that, uh, Cowboys team with Twitter too. Yeah, man. Like, like that's the kind of stuff. That, Irvin and like, oh God. Oh my God. And you know, like when, when you cover a diff- those athletes at that level, when they're that good, they don't care. So they'll just talk to you about whatever. Uh, it's crazy. Oh, that would be fun to cover a team like that, that had the swagger and everything. Yeah. Uh, Michael Irvin have an Instagram. Yeah. Right. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. yeah. Would have been a blast. Well, just give the Lions three or four years. I'm a, li- I, I'm a lifelong fan, and so I'm sure this will be the regime yeah. that finally okay. builds it up. Um, <laughs> Nick, it's been great having you on. We really appreciate it. We'd love to get you back on before the Perfect. Bulls, maybe, and have you explain what we just watched or something. Yeah, that's good, guys. Anytime. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, Nick. You bet.